Uh, yeah, okay. okay. Remind me if I don't. Okay. But I, I think everybody... Let's do it now then, okay. so I can forget about okay. it. <laughs> so as you uh, come in or go out, you'll see there's two boxes there. I think most of you know how this works. Is uh, There's one box to support uh, where we can give donations to support uh, the center here that offers the space freely and make this happen, you know, making posters and coordinating all this. So it's it's uh, it's a beautiful thing that the center takes care of, takes care of us, and we take care of the center. It's a beautiful intentional uh, way to live as a community, and so uh, uh, there's this box, and the other box is for the the teacher, which happens to be this one today. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, what I like uh, about this is that uh, well. It it's very touching to actually live, for me, to live on the generosity of people. But also the fact that this meeting today happened because you and other people have supported the teacher in the past. And so that this keeps happening. So it's a gift today. It's a, it's a gift from others, you know, that you probably don't even know who uh, gave the, the possibility for this to happen. So hopefully it's going to be good. <laughs> Um, we can't go totally wrong because uh, it's the way I see it is that we come together in uh, our humanity and we come together to study you know human nature and what it is to be a human being. And this is something worthwhile, something beautiful, noble to do if you ask somebody like the Buddha would say that's something very noble to do to actually take time if you have the opportunity to stop and reflect on what it is to be a human being this one maybe in particular but a human being and so that's what we're going to do today look at this together um, yeah it's true, last week I was saying I feel um, exposed and vulnerable, but in a good way, you know, in a way that uh, that felt all right, you know, and, and still, ah, a little like this. Um, uh, and uh, something that I learned from last week was, uh, actually before coming uh, here, I had a few hours last week, and I took only... Uh, very honest here. I took only maybe 25 minutes to prepare. Just to s like, what are we going to share about? What is important here? What could we be meaningful? So I didn't spend much time. and But I had more time, and I was curious about this. I was like, why do I not use uh, the other hour that I have to uh, prepare, you know, and write notes like a little bit like I did today? And it was not so clear, but... Uh, it became clear as I was sitting here just before we started, it became clear to me that... Uh, so I don't know why I'm sharing to you about my process of teaching, but hey, I never know what's coming. This is what's there. But uh, it became clear to me as I was sitting here that actually I wanted to not know what was going to come. I didn't want to repeat what I've said before exactly. I wanted to... And I knew if I prepare too much, then I'm just going to, you know give the stuff that I've... Pre and I, I actually want to learn 
from the encounter, from being here, you know, what's going to arise with the intelligence in the eyes of the listeners and the, the way people look intrigued or uh, something, you know, if somebody, sometimes a little body language, somebody goes like, like this and I'm like, oh, I have to be more clear here, you know, and, and so, um, and, uh, so after I left last week, I was like, oh, I just understood what my process is a little bit more. Like, a, instead of being harsh with myself, why don't you prepare more? It's like, no, this is actually something delicate that I'm trying to do. It's something also, uh, um, it's l- leaving space for the unknown. Whoa! <laughs> That's scary. But this is also our experience of life. We... <coughs> Even if we prepare everything, you know, it's still very much unknown what's going to happen to us. We have no idea what's coming from the outside, what's coming from the inside. It's unknown. That's maybe a large part of our experience as a human being, is that we're faced with the unknown a lot, with the uncertainty of what's going to come next, you know. And... As a practitioner, a meditator, it's, it's a good thing to actually put, become aware of this and put ourselves in a situation where we're actually not going to know what's going to happen. And I think there might be some authenticity that can come from this, some realness, some honesty, some, something, uh, some richness. And so try to make it my practice as a teacher to actually not know exactly what's going to happen in the meeting which makes me a little uh, nervous, but in a way that I feel alive and I actually want to live like this. Uh, so, et voila, we're in the middle of it. Good start. Huh? Good start. Good start? Okay, great. I can relax now. <laughs> um, so... Uh, yeah, we want to practice together before maybe I say a few more words on this um, theme of uh, not-self or uh, I keep forgetting the title of like something about taking a break from self or becoming nobody, which, yeah, becoming nobody, which is, is uh, you know, some of my senior teacher might like tap me on the hand and said, you can't put a title like this because it's about becoming, becoming. And in Buddhism, you know, that's the big no-no. Always this force of becoming. And we can, uh, when we become really attentive about our process and how we are alive, we can feel how we often want to become. This is the main force in, uh, in our life. From If you look at Buddhist psychology, it says we're always like want to be there. We want to be ar- arrived at this place where we're going. Even in the subway, we want to become the one who's at home, you know. <laughs> and when we're at home, we want to become the one who's finished preparing dinner. And when we're finished, we want to become the one who's cleaned the table, you know, and let alone the big becomings, you know. The, I want to become the most this, or I want to be seen, or I want to become somebody else, not this one. You know, I want I can maybe you even come here to become something else, <laughs> or maybe you read the title and you saw like becoming nobody. Ah, let me get rid of myself. You know, <laughs> I can't stand this being. You know, like that's probably the be- best option I have is to become <laughs> no one. You know, 
and so it's a little bit of a tricky thing. Becoming authentic, yeah, yeah, that could be it. Mm. Um, so, I'm just trying to find my way into the meditation here. So, just building on maybe last week some um, in the practice of meditation. <coughs> maybe I talked about this, but the way that the practice, the actual practice of sitting, breathing. Uh, just becoming aware, mindful, uh, for me is uh, as this movement from self, the personal, to the universal that I find very relieving. Uh, and so it's, it, I like to say it before we sit to understand, like what, that's what we call wise understanding of the practice. Because I could sit here and discover that I'm, s- I'm so agitated, I'm so like this, or I'm so centered, you know. And uh, the wise view, it says that it's not so much about you. It's not so much about (coughs) me. It's about human nature. So discovering the nature of agitation, the nature of calm. And so there's something so much more humble about it. It's not the kind of an ego trip. Somebody tells you, oh, you meditate, you're so self-involved. It's, no, I'm studying human nature. I'm studying the nature of uh, discomfort the nature of ease, the nature of uh, a spacious heart, the nature of a tight or broken heart. you know. And so, in a way, I get really close to something very personal, but also so not personal at all. Mm. You know, the experience of uh, dejection, discouragement, despair, <coughs> the experience of uh, kindness, benevolence, goodwill really like we're entering human nature and so in this way we're letting go of being this one with this story obsessed with fascinated with the story of self you know it's a chance we have to actually just discover uh, nature we could even let go somewhat of human nature and just think of nature the nature of pulsations the nature of expansions of belly or chest, the nature of, uh, again, the nature of uh, calm. It's almost like in inner weather. You know, how is it? What's the inner weather? The inner system here. How turbulent. You know, open vast sky. You know, can we be okay with the weather that's going to be there, showing up? just as it will. So I invite you to take your posture for meditation. Maybe we'll do something like 20 minutes or so. We'll see. And don't, please, don't feel stuck in the posture like, oh, I'm stuck in there, you know, with all these minutes of silence. Uh, if it becomes really intense, you can move slowly your leg. Sometimes actually, I'm cheating so much these days. <laughs> so I'll be sitting here, like let's say I'm practicing at home, and suddenly my nose is uh, itchy. Mm-hmm. I actually love going to scratch my nose, but with, with mindfulness. So instead of thinking, oh, I have to be a good yogi, you know, thing like this, I just like so delight in being alive and like, wow, hand moving, you know, and touch, touch is so beautiful, and scratching, 
and wow, really being there for this, and then suddenly it touches here, you know, it's like, wow, that was a trip. <laughs> so that's the power of attention, of being mindful, of being there for what's happening. So it's not like I have to be a certain person. I don't have to become a good meditator. I can let go of this and just discover what's happening, what's there, okay? So the eyes can be open or closed, as you see fit. And we don't have to shut down the ears, for example. Nothing has to be shut down. So sounds are welcome. Because they're natural. They're what's naturally occurring right now. So sounds will appear and disappear. We can see if we can let this happen freely. It's the same with sensations. We can let sensations happen and be known We can even intentionally go in the sensations to let them reveal themselves like you could, like me now, dive inside your hands. And just let the sensations there reveal themselves. touch or the tingling, heat, or space in there, whatever you feel. Even feeling nothing would be already something. relative quietness of the body sitting here. Maybe the movements of breath will become apparent to you. So letting the expansions and contractions of the belly happen by themselves, seeing if they can be fully known or somewhat fully known. beauty of awareness it, is it doesn't have a form huh? 
doesn't have a color or shape. So it can uh, embrace, reveal, even become what it's knowing. Your attention, your awareness can become the sound. can become your belly, the sensations there. Or anything else that makes itself known, that comes to the foreground of your experience. practice we don't think of, analyze, we let our attention be full and infuse whatever is happening. The awareness can embrace and reveal things of the five senses. Totally know the sounds, the silence, the sensations. But it can also know the moods or emotions the quality of the mind. So our awareness can embrace the calmness that is inside of us. Or become fully aware, feel the obsession in the mind if that's what's there. the joy 
sadness. Even if there are thoughts there, see if your awareness can embrace the thoughts. Feel they're arising, they're forming, they're passing. How words are heard, or said, or images, impressions pass by. there is discomfort or displeasure, awareness can also know this fully, freely. Notice how when awareness completely knows something, you let go of your self-history, your self-definition, just sounds, just hands touching.
you want to play with the abandoning, momentary abandoning of self, just to see if there could be some freedom in releasing the idea of me and who I am and where I'm going, just for a little while, not for always, just for a few moments. You could note mentally your experience without using I, I'm hearing, but rather hearing is happening. Breathing is happening. Knowing is happening. Notice if there is the presence of benevolence or kindness, friendliness in there. It might be possible to invite this. The knowing here, the awareness here is invited to be friendly, non-harming, non-judge judgmental friendly awareness curious awareness You might notice how your mind, your attention stays at what's happening here, or you might notice that it gets lost or caught in stories.
for the last three or four minutes. See if you can abandon the stories, the comments. Not fight with them, but just abandon them right now. Even if you have to do it many times. And see if you can feel something that's happening now in one of the senses. Just hearing, breathing. Notice how the body breathes uh, by itself. The heart beats by itself. How maybe worries, worry, worries, or kindness cares, or awareness knows. These things are happening by themselves, in their own life. natural processes Notice our hearing happens by itself.
So one of my practices these days is uh, when the bell rings, uh, <coughs> first to let it be heard, and then I really enjoy the moment, the transition moment, when the bell has rung and the body starts moving, releasing the posture, you know, and I try to see if I can stay present to this instead of like okay done you know back to the old mind that is a little you know disconnected can I actually invite something that was there in the meditation to stay so and especially one thing that I enjoy doing is opening the eyes and becoming aware that it sees this being sees there's this sensitivity very particular mm -hmm. kind of sensitivity to light and form and colors And just to be touched by this, it's a very different level than we're used to. It's like, okay, my eyes are open, you know, I'm here to get information with my eyes, with my ears, with my, you know, use my body as a tool. And now it's like something very different is invited. That's what we create in the meditation is some sensitivity, some become contemplative. Like, oh, look at that, this body feels. It's alive, it's breathing by itself. How touching is this? You know? It feels, it feels discomfort, it feels ease, it feels temperature, it hears sounds, it's completely open, all these doors always open, all day long, you know. You want to not hear anymore, it just keeps hearing, you know. And then you open the eyes and wow, it has this sensitivity to seeing, amazing stuff is happening. So, but of course it needs an attention that quiets down a little bit, you know, to actually notice that there's this sensitivity to seeing. So I tried to see if I can go from the meditation and invite something to stay, some kind of quality awareness that I've been nurturing in the meditation. So today I was... Um, watching a documentary, a short documentary on um, Martine uh, Batchelor. She's, uh, she's uh, amongst other things, she's uh, Stephen, uh, Stephen Batchelor's wife. It's an author who wrote many very interesting Buddhist uh, books. And, uh, but she, she doesn't need him. You know? <laughs> I mean, they, they go well together. They've been together for a long time. But she's a character on her own And in the documentary, she was saying, uh, when I was 18, she, she became an, a, Korean, a nun in Korea for 10 years. And she said, oh, it was just a, there was a mistake in the plane ticket. I, had, I ended up in Korea, and then <laughs> I thought, oh, I'm going to travel around. And I ended up staying for 10 years and becoming a, a, a nun there. And she was saying... <laughs> This was so far from what I thought I would do because when I was 18, I was really about like changing the world. It was about me caring for other beings, you know. And it, she said my view was really like about others, you know. It's about the oppressed and and the social justice, you know, things like this. She said I find myself uh, sitting, uh, learning meditation as a as a, a nun there, and she said one day I had an amazing shock is one day I just saw some, suddenly it became really apparent that all my thoughts were about me. Mm -hmm. Like when my personal view of myself was that I was all about others, 
everything that I was thinking was referring back to me. And she said, there was a really big shock there. And suddenly I was really happy that I was doing a practice of meditation because I wanted to become aware of this, you know, that how this, uh, always this self-reference, this obsession, this fascination with self. And so we were talking about this last week and we're continuing to explore this. And so just this morning watching this documentary, here it was again, you know. And uh, it makes me think also of um, uh, Joseph Goldstein, one of my teacher, our teacher. Uh, uh, he's the one who uh, I think, at least that's from him that I got this uh, noting, you know, that I, I suggested in this meditation saying, see if you can play with this. Notice how hearing is happening. It's not so much just to play with it, a different use the language to actually point to something else. It's not, I'm hearing, but, wow, look at that. When there is life and a healthy ear, hearing happens. Nothing personal about it. Breathing happens. Oh, obsession is happening. <laughs> you know? Oh, agitation is happening. Do you see... There's some, to me, there's already a taste of freedom. It's not like, oh, I'm so agitated, I'm always... Agitation is happening. So even in the wording, it's suggesting something. It's not like we, we still take responsibility. We care for what's happening. We're awake, conscious, uh, you know, of what's happening. But in a way that there's not this owning that makes everything so much more complex. You can see for yourself it, that's uh, helpful. Joseph has this um, funny little character that he said he created. He calls the little character, like comic character, was Wazam Wilby. And he said he would he would always make this note of like, oh, Wazam Wilby will be is here now. Every time there's a thought crossing his mind that was I was or I will be, uh, I am, you know. And he said I started to see like how many of the thoughts would ev- uh, evolve, ev- be stuck <laughs> mainly around this wasam will be, you know. And it's very interesting in meditation to actually see this, not to judge this, but to see how given a little leeway, you know, like mind is on the breath and suddenly there's like some, the attention is kind of wavering for a second. Where is it going to go? chances are is going to go towards some creation, conception, real-time mind creation of a self. I, this sitting here, sounds happening, breathing's happening, but what will be your preferred activity, mental activity or sport or addiction? I wonder if I am as good as the others, you know, or I can't do this, the others can, but I cannot, or... I, you know, some kind of comparing, some kind of projecting. I will do this for the rest of my life. I should be a nun. Forget <laughs> Martin Bachelor. I would be, you know, <laughs> or uh, get me out of here. I don't want to be here. I have other things to do. I, uh, you know, something like this. And so there's this obsession that, that we keep going to. We can spend a whole life being completely fascinated by this. I don't know if I said that last week, but... Uh, Wu Wei Wu, this thinker, said, 99% of our thoughts are about me, and this is 
only a mental creation that doesn't exist. No wonder we're stressed out. <laughs> you know, because we keep creating this thing and telling the story of this thing and re you know, and we can the mind has no pride whatsoever. It can make a f- me in the future, the miserable me in the future. It can create this, believe in it, fight with it, argue with it, you know. Um so this is this is really it's good to actually um, talk about this, reflect on this, and see it in action in meditation, so we can see for ourselves. Because maybe we're just sitting there, it's like it's good to, that I think about I me. Mean, it's important, and it has a lot of value, and I should, you know. And 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 it's actually good in meditation to see how how is it good, and how is it also maybe hindering something or creating. Something, some difficulty for myself. Amongst other things, a sense of separation, you know, that comes with the conception of an I. You know, there's a suddenly there's I, and I'm separate. And we can be so good at this that we actually uh, totally believe in it. You know, the story of uh, of the person who's in a cave and they draw on the wall of the cave a tiger. They take a lot of time. They make a really good drawing. And they turn around to do something, they and they turn back and they see the tiger and they scream ah and they run out. You know? It's it was a mind creation. And suddenly there was a fighting with this self, you know. I was looking uh, here because there was a couple of things I wanted to bring today. And this I was like, oh this this poem by uh, Neruda that I was looking for this afternoon. I don't know if you've heard this, but some, some, somehow it touches on this. Um, and uh, so Pablo Neruda in English here. We are many. Of the many men who I, whom I am, whom we are, I cannot settle on a single one. They are lost to me under the cover of clothing. They have departed for another city. When everything seems to be set to show me off as a man of intelligence, the fool I keep concealed on my person takes over my talk and occupies my mouth. (laughs) On other occasions, I am dozing in the midst of people of some distinction. And when I summon, summon, summon my courageous self, a coward completely unknown to me <laughs> swaddles my poor skeleton in thousands of tiny reservations. When a stately home bursts into flames, instead of the fireman I summon, 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 an uh, arsonist bursts on the scene, and he is I. There is nothing I can do. What must I do? to distinguish myself? How can I put myself together? All the books I read uh, lionize dazzling hero figures brimming with self-assurance. I die with envy of them. And in films where bullets fly on the wind, I am left in envy of the cowboys, left admiring even the horses. But when I call upon my dashing being, out comes the same old lazy self. And so I never know just who I am, nor how many I am, 
nor who we will be being. <laughs> I would like to be able to touch the bell and call up my real self, the truly me, because if I really need my proper self, I must not allow myself to disappear. While I'm writing, I'm far away. When I come back, I have already departed. I should like to see if the same things happen to others, uh, to other people, as it does to me. To see if as many people are as I am, and if they seem the same way to themselves. When this problem has been thoroughly, thoroughly explored, <coughs> I'm going to school myself so so well in things. And that's a good part I like here. Finish like this. That when I try to explain my problems, I shall speak not of a self, but of geography. Yeah. So he's talking. Uh, it's called We Are Many Neruda and so it's this thing again of identification you know who which one am I the coward one or the courageous one and because I see them come and go you know and they and I can't totally control them and so in meditation that's really the field we enter the more we get quiet, the less clear it is that w who is myself, you know. And we would think, like I sit there and I can really discover who is myself. But actually, that's quite the opposite that it's happening. It's like I start to see all these conditions coming together, all these movements of mind, these movements of body that are not so much self. It's not, it's not like this so much. This week... Uh, a colleague of ma mine sent me a little bit of video of... Um, I like to say this because it seems like it's not... It's there for all of us, not just in Buddhist thought, but um, who's the actor who was in in um, Lost in Translation and Ghostbuster? Uh, Bill Murphy. Murray. Murray. Yeah, Bill Murray. So there was a little clip of him. You might have seen this. He was uh, answering a question at the Toronto Film Festival and one of the journalists says, I could ask you so many questions, but the only really question I have right now that comes to me is like, how is it to be you? Because he's <laughs> such a unique character, this guy. And he's like, how is it to be you? And his answer was very interesting. He was like, he was like oh, that is a great question. How is it to be me? How is it to be me? I, I want to give you back this question. I'm paraphrasing here, but he was saying like, how is it to be you? How is it to be you? Like, connect with this. This is so rich. You know, there's no not, not another you in the universe, you know. You have the experience of being you right now. Be attentive to this. Bring attention to this. And you might see that you fear that somebody else is going to become you and take your place, you know. And so, but it's not possible. There's only you. So what is it to be I? That's a great question. Be inside of that. And I was like, wow, that's a beautiful practice. And... Like, just discover, what is it to be I right now? What is it to be I? But it doesn't solve everything because it's escaping us all the time. That's definitely my experience in practice or in life. Like, I would like to catch this I, like Neruda is saying, but it's not possible. What I catch is 
catch or see passing by are moments of experience, moments of consciousness, moments of hearing, moments of touching, moments of impatience, moments of uh, generosity. But they're fleeting. They keep escaping all the time. You know, I'd love to think of myself as, uh, you know, constantly generous, and I'm a generous person. But it's not like this. When I watch the mind, it moves in fear of love, not having enough. You know, and debating and arguing. So often there's a committee in there. You know, <laughs> and suddenly, whoops! Suddenly there's a pure moment of generosity. Wow! You know, even this, which one is mine? And so, what I love about the practice is I can actually let go of this. I'm invited to let go of this. And as I was mentioning last week, suddenly what's important is not so much is it me or not me, or who am I or will I be. It's what's here? And what is worthy of being nurtured? And what is here of the human realm, of the human nature, that is not worthy of being nurtured, that can be abandoned? And one could say, like, but who is making this decision? You know, it's me in the end. Well, not so much. Maybe it's wisdom that can make the, dif- the, the, the decision rather than, you know, uh, greed or hatred, you know, on what to, what to act on or not act on. And so one of the, 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 the Buddhist teachings that is, uh, is a kind of an essential pith teaching, I always come back to this is one of my favorite, maybe my favorite teaching. And it has the complete depth of the practice, and it's very short. Uh, it's the, the Bahia story. I'm pretty sure I've told this story here because I keep coming back to this because I like, I like the depth of it, how insight can be in just hearing, hearing the story that can be insight, but also how um, I understand this to be very precise instruction for practice, for meditation practice. And so in the story of uh, Bahia, Bahia was a person at the time of the Buddha who was wise and loving, had a bunch of students, and uh, they thought that they were uh, awakened. They thought, like, oh, there's a lot of wisdom in here. So there was some discernment. They could recognize that there was not a lot of harm being caused, you know. But somehow there was a friend of this Bahia who had a, a little bit more discernment and said to Bahia, Bahia, listen. I don't think you're awake, and I don't think you've, you have complete wisdom. You know, I'm saying this, you know, check, check it out for yourself, but I think there's still some, something in there, you know, although you have great wisdom and compassion. The job seems to me intuitively that it's not complete, you know. And there is a teacher you could go see that I've heard a lot about. It was about the, the Buddha. The, the Buddha, I think, was like something like 700 kilometers away. And Bahia having such a beautiful heart, such a beautiful intention of clearing the heart, you know, set on a, a journey to actually find the Buddha. Said, if somebody can help me, because I can't see, you know, what's what's missing, what's you know, but if this person can see them, I want to find them. So they traveled and traveled, 
and they uh, actually uh, found the Buddha. And the, uh, the timing was a little off because the Buddha was just about to go for the alms round, rounds, alms round, just one meal a day, uh, around uh, 11:30. And uh, and Bahia came to the Buddha and said, "Will you please give me a teaching? Like I, I've traveled all this way for the, for a teaching." And the Buddha said, "Oh, Bahia, very sweet." Let me go and get my food, and after we'll talk, you know. And Bahia was like, "No, no, like I've I've found you. Give me something. We have no idea what mm-hmm. what can happen to you or to me." So there was, I like this. There was a great awareness of impermanence, of uh, the shakiness of life or the uncertainty of life. Bahia was really aware of this, so you could see that this person had really done their practice. They knew that things were unknown. We didn't know what was coming next. And their value for uh, wisdom was really high. So they were like, no, no. So a second time the Buddha said, Bahia, no, not not now. I will, after I've done my rounds, you know, we can sit and really chat. And I do this every day with people. you know. And the Bahia <coughs> went again a third time. That's a classic in the old stories. Bahia said, no, you can't. We have no idea what's going to happen. And so the Buddha said, okay, I'm going to give you a really short one. It's really <laughs> pith and short, so be attentive. And that's where I get my computer out, because I don't want to miss the, what the Buddha said. <laughs> I don't want to mess up. But uh, so the Buddha looked at Bahia, and this is it. You know. He said, uh, Bahia, in seeing... Let there be only seeing. In hearing, let there be only hearing. In cognizing, let there be only cognizing. That part I know well. And then he added, I don't want to mess this part up, he says, This is how you should train yourself. When for you there is only seeing, in seeing, when for you there is only hearing in hearing, only sensing in sensing or cognizing in cognizing, when you are not in it, you will be neither here nor there nor between the two. This justice is the end of suffering. And then he left (laughs) to go get his uh, meal of the day. And the story goes, this is really good storytelling, the story goes that a few minutes after, uh, unfortunately, or that's how life Mm -hmm. unfolded, a few minutes after, uh, Bahia was was hit by a wild um, bull, or maybe water buffalo, some, some big animals was in the, in the crazy state of mind and just uh, hit and he died. And the people who were with the Buddha at the time, they, they became really sad. They said, oh, it's this, it, this practitioner was so earnest. You know, they, were, they so wanted to know. It was so beautiful. And, and the Buddha reassured them. He said, no. Uh, the Buddha was a good teacher. He could read, and, you know, in, into it what was going on for people. Apparently, anyway, so the story tells. And the Buddha said, "No, you can actually relax. 
Bahia really got what he wanted. Mm-hmm. He really, he really got what I said. He was so, he had s- done such beautiful work with his mind and mindfulness that when I said that, he totally understood it, and his mind was free. The little dust left in his eyes was mm-hmm. gone mm-hmm. with these few words. So we can actually, uh, we can uh, rejoice in the fact that he did uh, die with complete wisdom. You know, so that's what the story says. But the story, so the, the teaching itself in there is very simple. And so do you recognize something with the instruction coming from Joseph saying, you know, hearing is happening. Hearing is happening. Oh, awareness is aware. Cognition is happening. You know, there is a, the revealing of phenomena. You know, there is the revealing of tingling, if that's what's known. Or when the sounds comes from the kindergarten, when sounds come, they're known. They're known. You can let go of the eye. That's that's what uh, the Buddha was saying. In that moment, let go of the eye. Make it. Make your life very simple. Very. Hearing is happening. Knowing is happening. Perceiving is happening. This is natural phenomena. And he says, if there is no you in there, that's the end of suffering. If there's no you in there. Notice in your life, you're doing something, there's no you, it's just like cutting the carrot, having a conversation. Suddenly something is said that you don't like. The, we, the way our sentences in French and in English are built, it starts with the I. I don't like what you just said. But it should be actually the opposite. Not liking what was said creates the I. Suddenly, I appear. You say that about me? With the clinging, with the reactivity, with the fear, with the not wanting, with the... the suddenly appears that I don't like that. It just is born. You can see the birth of the self, you know? And so when in the Zen, maybe koans, or, or in the, if you look to um, Nisargadatta, in the non, more non-dual teachings, the Nisargadatta, I think that comes from him, would say to, students, to his students, were you born before your parents? And everybody's like, well, no, my parents were born before me. And he was like, no, you were born before your parents. Because there has to be a conception of I, like the I-making, making of an I, and then I can tell a story. You know, like a kind of a identification, appropriation, uh, conception. I, that's the Buddha, I is a conceived idea. I was is a conceived idea. I will be is a conceived idea. Conceived idea are a boil. You remember? <laughs> a boil, a dart. And so he's saying, be really careful with this. Obsession. It's amazing. We can spend the whole day. We go to bed at night and still, I will, I will. And it's like, can you actually see if you can, once in a while, not all the time, keep yourself. You can have it. But maybe once in a while, drop it for a few moments. And just be a body breathing, a body sitting, a heart beating, a heart tensed or open, vast, you know, a mind that is agitated, 
It's like, give back to nature what belongs to nature. Start, stop owning stuff, because after you're stuck with it, you know, that's the whole problem of owning, owning people, slaves, wives, owning this land, you know, when you own stuff, it comes with a lot of trouble. Stop owning, here and there, if you don't want to do it always. How there's a lot of reactivity in this system right now. That's the weather pattern that is there. Don't take it so personal. Don't, you know, if it's you, you have to get rid of it because it's inside of you, and you don't want to. You have to say, ah, there's confusion here. Confusion's happening. It's kind of a be another way to live. So it's good to think about this, reflect on this, but mainly, Ajahn Shah, one of the teachers, would say. If you think about this too much, your brain will crack, guaranteed. <laughs> because that's something you can only intuit with quality awareness. That's when meditation comes in. You know, Being really attentive to what's happening, feeling into daily, going on retreats to do it, you know, creating space to become quiet. So another, w- another way of an experiencing the world can appear, you know, with some guidance, with the right conditions, a whole <coughs> other way of experiencing the world can uh, uh, be experienced, felt, which is liberating. That's the only point about it. It's not about it's more sexy or trendy or something like, hey, I have no self, that's the new way to be. You know? <laughs> it's, uh, we don't care about this. The Buddha was saying, I that's the end of suffering. I'm saying this to you only because I know that it's at the core of the misery we feel, the stress we feel. The, it's this thing of appropriation. And so the invitation is to actually create in our life, if we can, s- moments of silence where we can actually let go of our assumptions, our habitual way to live, I have things to do, and will I be seen as somebody who can complete their tasks? And you know, and this is what I love, and I identify myself. I define myself by my preferences and my intelligence, or my efficiency, or productivity, or whatever else you you know is valued in the society. And in stopping and becoming attentive, we can notice that actually this movement of owning, identifying and defining constantly ourselves or wondering if it's the right definition or if we will become something else, you know, is actually extremely stressful. And there might be many, many gaps during the day where we can totally abandon that me-making, you know, me-entertaining, me-solidifying, me-keeping, and just mm-hmm. becoming nature. And this is probably going to be for our benefit and the benefit of others also. Because that's where benevolence can shine. Uh, space can come in, you know, can, can be revealed. Uh, compassion can arise. These are the natural outcomes, it says of this. It's not that we become disembodied, uh, dissociated, disconnected, amorphous, indifferent beings. It's not the outcome of this beautiful practice. The outcome of this beautiful practice is closeness, intimacy, 
oh, I have a good one somewhere in there that just says that. And you might have heard that. It's classic, but it's very beautiful if I can find it. Dogen. Listen to this. To study the way is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to allow the 10,000 things to flow. And another translation is to, st- to study the ways to t- study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. And to forget the self is to become intimate with all things. Shall we sit a little bit with this and see what what happens? Then maybe we'll have a few more minutes. So it's not like we have to get rid of anything, like, oh, I have a sense of I being there, or I hearing, shouldn't be, it shouldn't be anymore. It's not like this at all. It's just becoming aware of what is there. That's the process. To study the way is to know the self, to know what's happening, how things appear. it clearly appears that I'm inside this body right now or that I am this body then let this be known just like that what we're doing here is we're becoming conscious of what is happening and how it's perceived or felt or known. So if you want, just feel the belly here naturally rising and falling. Notice how it does that naturally, nature. And how the knowing also that is happening, knowing of the belly or the knowing of sounds, also happens by itself. We don't produce it, we don't decide it. This knowing happens. Pressure you might feel in your legs or feet or butt. 
is a natural occurrence. Earth, resting on Earth. Gravity, very natural. Cover may be the natural uh, phenomena in your mind happening now, natural phenomena of attention, interest, quietness, or disinterest. very natural for the body to sense for the mind to think or not think Mogaraja asks the Buddha, How can I escape the gaze of the Lord of Death? How can I escape death? The Buddha says, Be ever mindful. Mogaraja and don't take anything to be I or mine in this way you will escape death be ever mindful watchful Don't take anything to be I or mine.
become very attentive to present experience, you might notice that it disappears all the time. Every present moment constantly replaced by a new one and a new one. your eyes are closed, I invite you to let them open gently. Just be aware that seeing is happening. And hearing is still happening. So is breathing. this inquiry, maybe this change of perception, I want to reassure you that nothing disappears. It's not like, oh, I'm going to disappear. It's just a different switch of perspective. Um, 
one thing that I've noticed is that if uh, we've developed really well the benevolence and the kindness that is often goes hand in hand with the mindfulness practice, if it's well developed, it's much easier to do this uh, inquiry because it's not happening in the field of anxiety, of n- annihilation, but it's happening in the field of benevolence and kindness. So it's actually very easy to let go of self-identity and owning because there's a, there can be a, you know, sweetness there, love or friendliness, you know. And so that's why we often uh, practice both together, the development, the cultivation of kindness and caring and friendliness, whatever word uh, works for you, non-violence, non-harming, because that's the field the mind gets used to living in. And then, oops, the dissolving of the self not the dissolving of the experience the dissolving of the self image only is actually something that can be experienced as a, maybe even fun you know like, oh rhythm great knowing also that we can have a fluidity in this we can pick it up you know I'm the boss I'm the teacher or I'm the customer <laughs> you know take back uh, identities but let them go after so I don't know if you would be interested but what I had in mind when I was thinking about this today was that uh, there's a little inquiry a little meditation that we can do two by two so maybe what I'll do is I'll suggest and explain what we could do and if uh, we could uh, if some of you want to do it you could stay we could do it for a little while and those of you would say like oh that's plenty for me today or doesn't feel quite right then you could just, uh, we could end there, you know, for you, you could feel free to either stay and look or or just feel that that was enough for you. So the inquiry, it's really fun to do meditation with another person in inquiry. So what we would do is we would sit, let's say you and me are together for just for the example, is uh, we would sit here and for, I don't know how long, maybe four or five minutes, you would just ask, the only thing you would do, uh, we would exchange role in the thing, but first you would just ask me, who do you th- take yourself to be right now? Or who do you take yourself to be? And then I would just answer spontaneously, in short answer, you would say thank you, and then you would ask again, who do you take yourself to be? And then I would answer, and then you would say thank you, and ask again for for about four or five minutes until the bell rings. Just to see, like, what are the kinds of uh, identities we have? I'm a mother, I'm a director of this or that, I'm a painter, I'm an artist, I'm a a meditator, I'm a participant today. I'm the different uh, identities we uh, carry. I'm a white male, I'm a gay man, I'm a teacher, I'm, uh, I'm the witness, I'm the observer here, I'm the person sitting, I'm the uncomfortable person answering this question. <laughs> I'm the, and always this thank you, who do you take yourself to be? Who do you take yourself to be? Just if it, that, That's like uh, going a step further in this inquiry. It's very interesting to see how we perceive ourselves, define ourselves. You know. Just by a show of hand, would anybody be interested in this little inquiry? Mm. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
so yeah I think that could be uh, fun and then that it doesn't feel right for you or enough is totally fine you know it's I'm pushing the envelope a little bit you know like I'm like let's milk this you know <laughs> and so um, we qui crois-tu être en ce moment ou qui crois-tu être qui crois-tu être ah non est-ce que tu es attaché au fait que ça sonne <rire> tu as besoin de ça je vais te libérer d'un coup tu connais tu continueras à méditer tout le reste de la journée il faudrait surtout pas que ça arrive <rire> I invite you, merci, I invite you to not make a big deal out of this, not make this a stressful thing, you know. It's, uh, it's an inquiry, it might be useful for you, it might not be, you might put it straight in the recycling as you go out, <laughs> totally fine to say like, that's not relevant for me right now. It might be later, maybe never, totally fine. There's so many ways to explore the heart and the mind. This is one of the paths, one of the ways, you know. And so you can see, and maybe, maybe something later goes, oh, this is one place where I can use that, you know, let go of the owning or the identifying around this. And you can, so feel free to use this as you see fit, very important to do so, you know. Uh, and uh, if you want to do the little inquiry, we'll, uh, you could just uh, maybe move a little bit this way and we'll make sure everybody has a partner and I'll... Uh, I'll, I'll guide this for a few minutes, okay? Just a little inquiry, very simple. I'll explain it again. Yeah, no, what we'll do is it'll take maybe 10 minutes, so you w we might finish like three minutes late or something. That's what I'll we'll try to do. So if you want to do the exercise, I invite you to find a partner and I'll make sure you have one. If, uh, you know, I'll make sure everybody has a partner. And it's good if you're at the same level. So floor, floor, chair, chair, if you want to do it. If you want to do the inquiry, I invite you and you're alone. Uh, lift your hand so I can see. And I can do it also. To do bye-bye? Okay. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, we can do it together if you want. Yeah, okay, you too. Tu peux répondre en français, tu sais. And uh, it's, it, yeah, if you don't understand what she says, it's not, it doesn't matter. Or do you, somebody else speaks French in the group? Okay, so just take a moment, close your eyes if you're in the, in the ready to begin, we'll make sure. And you, do you guys know who you're with? Yeah, so two in one area and two in another one. Yeah. Okay. 
And so you can answer in the language of your choice. It's not important that the other one doesn't understand you because you're doing this for yourself. Just say thank you. Yeah. So I'll, I'll say the thing again. So the question is, who do you take yourself to be? And, or who do you take yourself to be right now? Qui crois-tu être? Qui crois-tu être en ce moment? Just comme ça. Okay. And so there's a person asking the question. There's a person answering. It's a short answer. A mother, a wife, a friend, you know. Whatever comes to mind. You don't have to premeditate or whatever. Then the person that asked the question again will say thank you. Listen well, just to make sure you understood right. The person will say thank you. The person who asked will say thank you. And they'll ask again right away. And you just answer. And we'll do this for a few minutes from the bell ringing to the bell ringing. And then I'll say, okay, now we'll switch. And then the person who was answering will then ask the question. Okay, so it's a one way. One way. Always asking in the same direction. And then we'll switch roles. Questions around this? So you answer and then you say thank you. You answer and the person who asks say, says thank you. So, qui crois-tu être? Une mère. Thank you. Yeah. No, not back and forth. Okay. So take, let's take a moment just to be in silence. Close the eyes. Do you guys know who will ask first? Have you agreed? Agree quickly. So you you know who's gonna ask? Okay. So just close your eyes and come to silence for a moment. You should now know who's going to ask, who's going to speak first. Yeah? And so just stay here for a moment. Land in your body. Feel the breath, eyes closed. Feel how it feels to be, to be there right now. What's alive in you? Excitement or fear or calm or curiosity, whatever. Whatever is there is totally fine. Now using just enough voice to reach your partner, the person asking is going to ask and will start this little uh, inquiry for about three or four minutes max until you hear the bell again. So here we go. <laughs> 